What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, I am beyond pumped, excited, honored to bring you today's guest. Her name is Bryony McKenzie. Bryony and I connected many years ago online through some personal mentorship courses we were doing through my mentor, Preston Smiles, and Bryony has always blown me away. Her brilliance, her intelligence, how tapped in she is, the community that she has created, the value that she adds, the life that she lives, everything that she deconstructed to be this expression of her right here, right now. There's not many people that I would say that I look up to. I'm super, if I look up to you, (laughs) I really, really think something of you and not not as a judgment piece to anyone else, just I'm truly now incredibly selective when it comes to leaders that I believe are truly inspiring, leaders that are truly authentic, that are really the women, the men that they say that they are, that aren't their social facade. I'm really selective when it comes to saying, yeah, I really admire that person. I really look up to that person. I really seek a lot of inspiration, motivation from how that person lives, breathes, bees. I recommend Bryony to so many women to get them into her world. She's just magnificent. Today, fam, I actually get Bryony into my True Transformation courses. She's been a guest speaker many times and she has often taught about conscious money and conscious wealth and the energetics of wealth. And I love this conversation. I know that as women, a lot of us haven't been taught to speak about money and a lot of us haven't been taught to speak about money in powerful ways. There can be a lot of collective shame when it comes to the money conversation. I even know for myself doing a beautiful launch for True Transformation and I did my biggest launch ever and there were some really beautiful women that were really desiring to lean in and money blocks or money fears was really the thing that stop them from being able to say yes to themselves. And when it comes to, I'm really not a very good salesperson. I'm trained in sales, but I'm not here to pressure anyone to make a decision that doesn't feel really good for them and really nourishing for them, really nourishing for their nervous system to say yes to. Um, I don't like the idea of challenging people's egos on connection calls because that then turns into a sales call, whereas I call them connection calls. And the purpose of them is to see If you and I are aligned fit that we're really choosing to do this dance together and if you're desiring to lean into the work together, if you're a yes to the work, it's not to pressure you to buy something because I am trained in sales and I really could do that, but it's not within my alignment for that to occur. But I do see frequently because of this so many blocks, so many ineffective beliefs when it comes to money that is really stopping preventing women from living the lives that they say they most desire. And I really believe that a woman is empowered when she's empowered financially. And I know that to be true, this will be a whole other podcast, fam. But I know that to be true after dating many wealthy men in my 20s and really having to sit with, am I choosing this person because of the love that I have for them? Or am I choosing this person for the lifestyle that they are providing for me? And as I was with that thought, I realized that I was choosing them for the lifestyle and not for who they were. And if they did not come with the lifestyle, I would have never chosen them. And not making that bad or wrong, just not in alignment with me. And the more that I lived a life like that, the more that I felt disempowered. 
And that was my awareness piece that the woman empowering herself through her finances, no matter how much you have, but the way that you use it, the way that you be with what you've got, that can support you to really transcend the shame of the money conversation and will support you to move into an empowered way of being when it comes to money. Brian and I dive deep into all things money today, fam. If you love this episode, make sure that you screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me, tag Bryony, go and jump over to her page because she's fucking an absolute brilliant bad bitch and you definitely want to receive from her, fam. I hope you love this episode just as much as I love recording it. Strap yourself in. Let's fucking go. Bryony McKenzie, I am so bloody honoured and excited to be here with you. Welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Hello. Thank you so much, Beck, for having me. It's an honour to be here with you. Oh, my God. So for anyone that isn't as lucky as me to know who you are and have been in rooms with you online and welcomed you into my programs, you're just like a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and inspiration. You've recently been in Forbes or just there's so much I could say about you. But can you tell the listener who you are and why you're here with us right now? Yes, of course. So yeah, my name is Bryony McKenzie. I am actually from New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi right now. I am tuning in and living in Lisbon, Portugal. Why I'm here right now, my journey is that, you know, I spent four years of my life as a top tier corporate lawyer and I don't think I really enjoyed a second of it, but basically my life until that point had been a continual journey of following what I thought was expected of me. And, you know, being successful, getting the success metrics, being a lawyer, having a partner, having the apartment, all the things. And that point in my life where I had basically everything that society told me would make me happy was the moment I was like, wow, this is not it. In fact, this is so far from it which caused me to really go on my own journey and really ask myself the bigger questions is, who am I really? What do I want to create with this life? How did I actually end up here in this moment? And that's where I got into personal growth journey. I went to loads of seminars. This was a pre-COVID world where you could, you know, I went to America, I went to Australia. I just immersed myself in the personal growth, spiritual expansion world and just like to really understand myself. And at that point, I absolutely never thought I would have a career in this area. I was just looking for answers myself. And then I started to get into this natural kind of experience of like, oh my gosh, this is really helping me have self-awareness and like really get clarity on who I am and what I want to create. So I started sharing it with my community, with my peers, like running these little, I think they were called Why Wednesday, these little workshops in our city with like accountants and lawyers and, you know, my network. And that's where untapped, the company I now run, uh, was born. And that was five years ago now that that started. And so I just followed that path. You know, I just followed what I loved. I followed what was lighting me up, what was giving me energy. And that led to me leaving corporate law within six months of starting it, which was a huge jump, huge jump. And now, you know, run a seven-figure education and coaching company, having the privilege to have a global community of people who are committed to just living an expanded, untapped life and really getting to the core of like who they are and breaking down the barriers of what they thought was possible. So I'm excited to be here to be able to share and contribute whatever I can. Everyone's path is so different, but you know, that's what has led me to be right here, right now. Oh my God. Every single word of that really lit me on fire. I'm 
curious if we were to backtrack from the very beginning, when you're at that point where you have basically all the things that society would say, this is going to make you happy. You're, you're a corporate lawyer. You have, I'm sure you had a bank account full of money and lots of validation from the external world. And you thought it was going to bring you something and that didn't arrive. That can be a very sobering moment. What feelings were attached to that question of who am I? I've got all of this stuff, but it's not bringing me the feeling I was yearning for. What was that like? Really lonely, to be honest, because at that point, I think, I well, I know I was wearing so many masks and so many of us do. When I say masks, it's like the inauthenticity of, yeah, I've got this all together. Yeah, this is all great. And, and I felt like I couldn't take the mask off. In fact, I felt like, who on earth am I meant to talk to about this? Because you know, you've got the job, you've got the team that you're running, you've got the partner, you've got all these things that you literally have put masks on and convinced yourself. And so who do you actually turn to? So for my experience for myself was like loneliness. It was really a sense of, wow, I don't even know where to turn right now and who I can talk to about this. Who's going to understand? Who am I not going to offend and upset, right? Because that's another thing often for a lot of people when they realize this is like, there are people that we're so afraid to hurt when we're in our truth. And that was, you know, I was so afraid to let so many people down and, and a deep lack of fulfillment. And I was trying to source that in so many other ways, which I find interesting to reflect now and it wasn't all negative ways. Like I think I have a, a huge journey with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And so there was an element still of food being kind of a control mechanism in a way that I was like releasing emotion and trying to like get connected to something. So that was happening. But I was also channeling like my passion and my desire for contribution in really beautiful ways. Like I was running these really cool projects, I'd say. Like my friend and I did a party that was, you know, everyone dressed up. It was like a ball. And then we donated all the money to particular charities we were connected with. And I did this thing called Cards for a Cause where we like sold these amazing Christmas cards. New Zealand artists donated their designs and then we sold them to people for like Christmas cards and donated all the money to the homeless, to our Auckland City Mission. So there were ways I was finding like amazing fulfillment. But the interesting thing was, it was all outside, it felt outside of my life, basically. It was like these little threads that were like happening, but they weren't my day-to-day -day life. And I think that's what was interesting is like, I would find this fulfillment, but if I would turn to my life and be like, oh, it's Monday now, you know then my life was suddenly boring and deeply unfulfilling every day. So it was kind of like a Band-Aid approach. Yeah. Was there a part of your mask as well, if we're worried about offending people that were scared of telling the truth and other people saying you should be happy or you should be just so yeah. grateful? Look at what you've got in your life. Look at the success that you've created, the teams that you run and people telling you that you should just settle with happiness for what you have, even though it wasn't true for you. Huge. And I think it's only simply their fears, right? Or their current reality. Like my dad is also a lawyer. So I had this whole kind of narrative going on. And not that he ever put any pressure on me as such, but like, that's the world he knows. He was like, oh, why don't you just, you know, try a different law firm or like, I don't think it's that big a deal. And then people that I was working with, 
that it was always just like that their fear of like, why would you go to something else? Friends that the relationship I was in at the time, we were all friends, like our community. And they're like, oh, you guys have been so, so good. Like you're so close. And you, you know, maybe it's just a tough time. And because I think people are so afraid to actually sit in it with you. Like the reality that change is going to need to happen. And they're so fearful of what that could be for you. So I had a lot of people around me protecting me in a way. And I had a couple of people, like the deep cheerleaders. And I'm really grateful. My mum was one of those, you know. She's really courageous. And I remember she sent me this card. She sent me this card to my workplace and she said, I think you should just go for it. And that's all the card said. And I think that's like equally as important as like if you want to create these bold changes in your life, like you don't need heaps of people, but you probably are going to need like one or two people that just back you. They're like unwavering. And I love my mom for that. She had no freaking idea what I was doing, but like she just said, I just think you should go for it. You know, I think, yeah. And it was all it took. I just needed one person. Yeah. That's reminding me of something. When I was in corporate, I had this dream for an active where I'd already tried twice to get it off the ground. Gone to Bali, run out of money, come back again, got another job, saved all my money, gone back, tried to get this thing off the ground, blown it again. And I was in this job now saving all my money. And I turned to this man in a coffee shop, his name's called Lee, and we get along so well. And I was telling him, I have this great job, this great salary, car, phone, all the things. And I'm so unhappy. And I have this dream and I've tried twice already and it hasn't worked, but it's not like this desire to make it happen is not leaving me. And I left that conversation. This is just like, not a stranger, but just, you know, a familiar face at a coffee shop that you know, but don't really, really know. And I get a message to my Facebook messenger that day saying, you're young, you're beautiful. And if I can give you any words of wisdom, like just fucking go for it. And in that moment, I was sitting in conflict, like, do I, I'm driving to work right now. I don't want to go. Do I just like book this flight, quit this job? And I get that text message. I'm like, absolutely. This is like a spiritual angel cheerleader coming in and telling me, do the thing. Just do the thing and see what happens. Amazing. Yes. Thank you, Lee. I love those people. <laughs> love them. I always say to my mum, I love the person who can believe in the dream before it becomes a reality versus my dad's very much prove it can happen and then I'll cheerlead you on from that fear-based place. Whereas mum's like, what do you need to make this happen? And I'll help you. Mm, so beautiful. Love it. So my question for you is then for any woman that's resonating with this conversation of I'm somewhere right now and it's not fulfilling me, but I loved your pin post, the second one. It was like, I didn't know what path to take next. What would you say to that woman who's like, I know I'm not where I'm meant to be where I am. It's deeply unfulfilling. I feel sad. I feel lonely. Have no idea what that jump looks like. What does she do next? Absolutely. The first thing is you've already broken through so much. Like one of the biggest barriers is admitting that. <laughs> it's just sitting in the discomfort of like, holy shit. So if you're in that moment right now and you're listening, you're like, yep, that's me. Like, it's okay. And you've already conquered and overcome so much that many people in humanity never do by being brave enough to admit that. The next path is really, it's inwardsness. We're so designed to go outward. It's just such a natural thing. Marketing, consumerism, everything in the world teaches us to just like try another thing, get your CV, go on the job thing, buy this car, move cities. And I've done all those strategies and they're fun, but they're not fun when the whole inner world is still in conflict, right? So Often the reason we can end up in these places that we look up, we wake up and we go far out. I don't really know how I got here and this is not it, is simply because we're living 
relatively unconsciously in some degree, right? Or unintentionally, right? I call it like life by default. It just, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you ask people like, how'd you get that job? And they're like, oh, oh, I think, I don't know. I think a friend like messaged me and there is no depth of like, oh my gosh, I planned this and then I did this and then, you know, I I manifested it. So if you're in that space, and I 100% was, is that life could have developed and happened by default. And the shift that you get to now make is like, let's go life by design. So pause, don't make any massive decisions in this moment. Like just pause and take the space to start to go inward and really uncover those layers, not just of what you want, because I know that that's where everyone's brains want to go next, but actually figure out how you got there too because we don't want to repeat those lessons, right? So we actually want to look at like, for me, I had a lot of layers of perfectionism, of society standards, of ego to look good, like of my parents' expectations and validations. Like I had to kind of undo all those layers first of how I got there and then go again with the life by design. So I think it's like that combination is important because you could start doing your vision board and all those things. But if we don't actually figure out like, how do we actually get there as well, then we can end up in the same place. So I think that that would be the piece is like start the inward journey, right? Get people who can just guide you on that. I got coaches, mentors, like just be supported in it because it's an uncomfortable journey and figure out how you ended up there. Figure out those patterns that made you who you are. Figure out your value system and then start redesigning and making decisions from an internal place, right? Where it's not about what anyone else thinks or validation. It's like you get your own self-trust and you're like, yeah, I know where I'm going now. And if someone's listening to that and they're like, Bryony, but I don't even know what it means for my internal world to be in conflict or to be in shambles or to not be right. How would I know? Yeah. So there's a few layers. Like your, your internal world is being connected to yourself. There's, you know, being connected to what they call your soul voice or your intuition, for example. Like, a lot of us live an ego-fueled life, even if we don't think we do. Entire mass marketing is based on fueling the ego. So a lot of us look good. You know, we buy the car, we buy the thing, and then we we don't know. Afterwards, you're like, I don't even feel anything. It's like you have that thing for 30 seconds and feel nothing. So we're filling that kind of ego account, and we're often quite disconnected from our soul voice, which is that deeper internal wisdom that we all hold. And, you know, people who have intuitive gifts, we all have intuition. We all have an access to that. So starting to really create the space, which is like, can you hear the wisdom from within? Like, there'll always be monkey mind crap. Everyone's got the noisy ego monkey mind, right? But when your inner world starts to feel connected, you start to live from that inner wisdom and knowing. So for example, if you literally just said, I don't think I'm happy in what I'm doing, you are listening to your soul voice. You are listening to your inner wisdom because it's like knocking on the door, sometimes quietly, and then starts like bashing the door down because it's like, you're not listening now. If you're brave enough in this moment to be acknowledging that, then you are actually listening to your soul voice to start just following that thread, right? And the thing about following that soul voice is literally it makes no logical sense and you have no idea where it's taking you, right? But that's living a soul-led life, basically. So for us, even leaving New Zealand, I mean, New Zealand was a beautiful place for us, but it was just like a little soul nudge. It was like, all right, team, we just bought a piece of land in one of our favorite places in the world. And it was like, yeah, we're not going to build now we're going to leave. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it was like, we're going, you know, pack up your things. Like, and Dee and I were like, 
Okay. Who got the soul nudge first, you or him? Oh, he's so in tune and he doesn't, he doesn't have like, I've still got so many layers of conditioning that I have to kind of go through the logicness and like, oh, but that would make logical sense. And what, you know, what's up? Oh, our family will be so disappointed. You know, he's just like, yeah, we're, we're off. From the we're off to it happening, how much convincing did it take? Or like, what, what was the time between him dropping the seed and you being like, okay, well, we're going to Lisbon, Europe. Yeah, it. we're pretty, we're pretty quick now. Like probably. Honestly, we're probably like a week of just kind of like a layers of the impact. And basically what you have to figure out with that is like, it's usually honestly like logistics as well. Like it's like, oh, because it's a pain, you know, you're like, huh, okay, all right. Well, I just put in a fair amount of effort for that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, you know. Even my so, thing is when um, I think about going overseas, I'm like, where is the fast Wi-Fi? How do I know that there's yeah. not going to be any internet lags on Zoom? That is a very valid question because we went to Mexico, to Costa Rica, and I can tell you right now they did not have fast Wi-Fi. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a very real question. Issue. I've literally asked all my friends in Bali, like, how do I know the villas that have the fast internet? And they just all messaged me back the same thing. You don't. I was like, how do people run their internet-based businesses from these places then? Because internet lags is like... There's a bit of my soul that like dies on the inside when it happens. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun time, yeah. and that's what we found actually when we we're in Mexico living this you know lifestyle kind of thing. As I was like, okay, cool, yeah, we're still running a business. This is not optimal. This is not functional. This is just we need to move. Like it's yeah, it's quite it's actually kind of a funny phenomenon that all these internet people based businesses go to places with really bad Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's wild. I know that you said that there's undoing conditioning to support yourself to propel forward and take this aligned action on your soul's voice. When it came to breaking free from, say, the expectations of your dad being a lawyer and any kind of perceived expectation, he's like, you should be a lawyer. Then you become a lawyer and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. What would that process look like for someone? You know, it might be I come from an Italian family. So it's like, oh, you should marry an Italian man and you should be married by 30 with like three children. What would that look like to undo conditioning to break away from maybe your parents' expectations or someone that you really love and deeply care for when there's that fear of, I'm really going to let this person down by really choosing my soul's voice that probably makes sense to no one else but myself? How do I undo that? Yeah, reflection and journaling to start with really helps me and clients. It's just like really working through what beliefs that have held you there and writing those down, like really taking a moment. We do this in some of our events, like just taking a moment to just write down like all the expectations you are actually holding. And it's pretty amazing to actually write that list and be like, wow, I'm expecting myself to be this. I'm expecting myself to show up perfectly, to do perfect habits every day, to be this for this person or, you know, and just really getting clear on like, where are all those layers that you've made up? Because all those layers are heavy. And they really limit you from living in your natural expression and following that like highest energy, highest evolution, like what literally your soul and the universe is like calling you forwards to be and do, like those things are just going to really stack and never have you be the person you know you can be, right? So really identifying them on a mental conscious level is is so powerful to just see them written in front of you. The beliefs I've made up, the stories that I've made up, now, interestingly, on a specific exercise, and I'll, I'll provide this and it will resonate for some and maybe not for others, but letting down my dad was one of my biggest ones, right? That was like one of my last layers 
to go. Like I obviously told you my relationship with my mom. She's like my cheerleader, you know. I think dad never once in my life ever said things like that. That's the other funny thing is it was fully something I created within myself to be the perfect daughter, to not let him down, you know, to be the golden child, like all these identities I created. And so that was my real last big pillar to let go and leave law. And I think that's kind of why I stayed in law so long is because it took me quite a lot of emotional processing to be like, through this one, because there was a while there where I knew what I wanted to do. And I was like, why aren't I just quitting? You know, why am I not doing this? And it was really getting like, I was so afraid to disappoint my dad. And I was in a seminar training, like a leadership training. And they said, well, we're going to do a piece where we're going to have this conversation, right? We're going to literally reenact and have the conversation that you are so afraid to have and the words that you are so afraid to hear. So this distinction is called like resisted communication. So like a lot of us are moving through the world and there's things that we just never want people to say to us and never want, you know, someone to message us on Instagram and like, and we resist this communication instead of learning to just be with it and make it mean literally nothing about you. And this gave me so much freedom, this particular exercise, because literally all it was, was there was an older guy who was like big stocky, like look like my dad. He was like, all he said was like, you know, I'm disappointed. And that's what I was so afraid of hearing. And I just sat with it and I felt the emotion and I felt the pain and I felt those words and I kept sitting with it. And then until literally it neutralizes and you get that even if someone was to say that, and I mean, you know, my dad has never, ever, ever said that. Even if someone was to say that, you're like, hmm, it's okay. And that, and that's okay. And you can learn to be with these particular words that we're so afraid of hearing. And when you can be with any communication, you're infinitely powerful. Once that happened and I heard that, again, we just imagined that that would be that voice of the person. And I was like, okay, okay, let's say he was disappointed. Like, and what? <laughs> and it, it literally set me free. So I went and I had the conversation with dad because I was ready to hear those words. Now he didn't say those words. He was like, wow, okay, all right, we're doing that. You know, terrifying for him, for sure. But he never said those words. But I was completely free from that. And so I think if you have these particular people in your life that really hold an anchor, you know, even if they don't know it, that's what I feel sorry for half these people. Half of them don't even know that they're that for you, right? And they don't want to be that for you. Maybe they're just afraid. And so just like really getting to the core of like, what is it you're so afraid of hearing from them? And doing an emotional exercise, just sit with it. Just sit with those words. Just allow it. And then go and have that conversation if you can, right? Do you feel there's a part of us that's attached to that story? Like, I am going to let my dad down. He is going to be disappointed in me. And if we really attach that, then that can be the thing that stops us from actually doing the courageous stuff, saying the courageous thing, taking the courageous action. So we can almost project like, oh, it's my dad's fault that I'm in this job that I don't want to be anymore because he's going to be so disappointed if I was to do the thing. But ultimately, I really fear doing the thing. So I'm just going to project all this, the assumptions of his story that he's going to have about whatever it is I'm about to go and do. For sure. For sure. I think absolutely. And like our internal world can experience that as real for sure. 
And I think it can absolutely be a scapegoat for so many of us. Like we do use other people as scapegoats, like 100%. And that's an easy thing to do because it's hard to justify that it's not, right? Because you're just, as you said, projecting onto someone else. I think what's really important though is that they get to have a say too, right? Like I think if you know you're doing that, it's like, huh, well, maybe you should go have that conversation and just see what opens up. I've had that with clients. It's like, oh, well, my, you know, my parents or this, or, or my partner won't let me do that. And it's like, have you had that conversation? And it's like, oh, no, not yet. And it's like, okay, cool. Then do it. Because it's also really, really, really harsh to do that to other people. Because it's like those people most likely want to support you. And here you are making up all these things that they won't, you know. And it's like, maybe find out. Like I always, we always talk about assumptions, you know, so many of us in our life with relationships, we make assumptions and it's one of the most dangerous things you can ever do in a relationship, right? Just makes a complete ass out of you is because you actually have really no idea. We think we know people at our core. We know our version of them. We know our story of them. We know the identity and box we put them in. You have no idea. This is one of my favorite things to do. Like even with my family, like pretty much my entire family, have got into personal growth, like launch businesses, done work on themselves. And, you know, people always say to me like, oh no, my sister would never do this. I'm like, well, she never will if that's how it relates. Like, You know, it's really funny that you say that, you know, how Preston and Alexi are bringing Bridge and Extreme back to Australia in March. I was thinking about who would I really love to have in that room? And I was like, my mum, my dad, and my sister. And there was so much, I'm like, oh, well, my sister probably won't be in there if I'm in there because she's going to think that they're my people and my mum won't want it because I'm, and then my dad would just, my dad would never be that kind of person. I was like, can you just, like, where did all of that come? I was even on the phone to Miriam. She's like, you're going to stop that. I was like, I am going to stop that. Wow. Where did that come from? Yeah. How unfair of me to even rob them of an opportunity for this incredible experience by my projecting all of this judgment and assumption on them and taking away their sovereignty and their ability to make their own empowered choice around whether they want to be in that room or not. Huge. I love, oh, I love that you caught that, right? I love that you could catch that. Oh, there was like 30 things like bang, 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 this reason, that reason, this, 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 this. I was like watching it almost like bullet point in my mind. I thought to myself, let's just stop that. Yeah. And we have so much evidence. Then we pull forward all the evidence, like a filing cabinet, you know, oh, but this time I did ask and this time and this. And it's like, I think this the real macro thing of that is that we then live in a world that's so limited in possibilities. That's basically what happens. And it happens relationally with people because we don't, we're not allowing people to reinvent themselves. And within that, we're not allowing ourselves to reinvent ourselves. Like the, the real big thing is like getting into that curiosity of like, huh, maybe like, Let's find out. Same for yourself, right? With all that career change stuff. It's like, maybe you could do that. Like, let's see. It's funny. My dad was actually really disappointed when I left my corporate job. And the reason that he was disappointed, because I didn't actually speak to him for a year and a half while I had my active wear. And now I have a successful coaching business. So he feels really great about it. He has no idea what I do, but he knows that I'm provided for and I have clients and all of those things. And years later, when we were talking about it, he said, I just was scared because I didn't know if you're going to be okay. I wasn't trying to, he would never understand why I wanted to leave the corporate job. And he kept saying to me, but your bills are paid and you're safe. And if your bills are paid and you're safe, I don't have to worry about you. And that was his deep fear, not disappointment, more potentially disappointment for himself. Like, how do I know that my daughter's going to be okay if she's just off living this kind of freedom, try things and see if they work kind of lifestyle? That was his deep fear. 
not a disappointment, just a disappointment within self of I don't know how to keep my daughter safe if she does something different to the norm. Yes, that's it. That's it. Exactly the same for my dad. Exactly. And and especially when it's things that people don't understand, you know, we fear what we don't understand and comprehend. And so when people around you, if you're launching something of your own, your own like business or initiative, and you're the visionary, like you can see the vision and other people have never seen this or never done this or never even heard of this. Like, of course they're unsure. Like we're always afraid human of what we don't know or what we've never experienced. And so it's really developing that deep kind of trust, right? And your own vision of like, I do know where I'm going. And people eventually just start kind of being like, okay, I think she's pretty solid in it. But initially when you're like, you know, you're working through that, you're like, I think I know where I'm going. And they're like, oh gosh. Yeah. So I love that. It was so funny also comparing my mum and my dad and obviously comparing your mum and your dad. My mum's like, Beck's the next Tony Robbins. And my dad says, I don't know what she does, but she just talks to people on the internet. And for some reason they give her money. I have no idea, but it works for her. <laughs> I got to England recently to see all my parents' family and they were like, what is it that you actually do? Yeah, I love it. I love it. My mum's still my number one, like, um, spelling and, like, grammar person, you know. She replies to, like, every post, everything. Like, she sent me one the other day, like, darling, you're very fast on the podcast. And I said, I- are you listening to me on two-speed? And she goes, oh, yeah, silly me. Like, but still very fast, you know. I'm like... Thanks for the feedback, mom. Like, still here five years later, you know? I think my mom wouldn't dare give me feedback. She would just be like, two thumbs up and back. I'm like, just encourage me, mother. Just encourage me. So let's change June for a second. What does it mean to live a life untapped? Yes, 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 yes. A life untapped. So we talked about soul voice. So it's really learning to follow that soul-led life. Like, what's going to light you up? And that can change over time. But it's being connected to that in your present authentic self. It's like being able to be dropped in and connected to that part of you and then live, lead, decide, create from there. So it's really, really peeling back the layers, getting connected to that most authentic piece and living from there. And then for me, it's like really a conversation, obviously the name untapped, like what I believe in and what our company stands for is the infinite potential of humanity. And so we love finding multi-modalities and different access points and different ways to help people access that infiniteness. Now, is it mindset work? Is it somatic body work? Is it spiritual connection? Whatever it is, it's just helping people support, like to really dive into like their untapped potential. Because I think all of us know innately that we have this reservoir of continued potential And so it's just finding all those points and access ways to reach that. One of the big things in our philosophy and what I I still really believe in probably from my own journey of being so lonely in my experience is also building community, right? There's a huge piece that beyond doing an eight-week program or, you know, even just listening to a podcast, it's like, do you have people around you that you're like thriving and growing with? And so that's really big in the untapped life and the definition of it is that you're literally, you look around in your life and go, my family's like on the vibe with me and we're connected, you know, my partner's in this world with me. We just ran some events this year, relationship events, and all the partners came and the, some of our people had been in our work for like four years and their partners were there and they're like, oh my gosh, like the moment's happened, like they're here with me. And it's like untapped. It's like, yes, awesome, partner. Like we're all growing and expanding together. And so really one thing I love, it's like testing those limitations that we create for ourselves and those upper limits. So for example, if people think that they're never going to find their love of their life, it's just really getting underneath that. If people think they could never run a business or you know be a seven-figure CEO, it's like, cool, let's understand that. And 
yeah, just really testing the limits of what's possible to experience your deepest potential and make an impact in the world, right, with your gifts because everyone has gifts. And what if someone was listening to this right now and she was thinking, well, I'm not a business owner and I don't desire to be a business owner. How do I create impact with this infinite potential that you say exists inside of me? What would be your response to her? You definitely do not have to have a business to create an impact. And there's so much glamorization of entrepreneurship. It is such a cool thing to use your gifts to build something in the world in a business. And it's a spiritual journey, but it's definitely not for everyone, right? It's very, it's testing, it's trying, it's uncomfortable. You know, business in general, it's a, it's a lot of other skills. And so if your natural expression is through a workplace or through your family, like your impact is every day and every moment when you breathe. Like if you have attached your impact to, oh, I have to have this big business and be this big online personality or something, it's like, we've lost our way. Like impact happens in a coffee shop when you contribute to the person behind you by their coffee. Impact happens when you say to your family, like, hey, you know, I'm going on a financial healing journey. Does anyone want to come with me? That's something I've contributed to all my nephews and my family. It's like impact is in every moment, in every way, how you you grow yourself and then contribute that to everyone around you, right? It's really huge. And we have clients, for example, we don't only work with entrepreneurs. So I was interviewing a client the other day. She was in a government agency. She came back from London. She was working there. She was absolutely empty. When she got connected to her core values, to her uniqueness, to her gifts, you know, really understanding herself in the first few weeks of the program, she was like, oh my gosh, like I'm an energizer. I'm a connector. Now she works in a startup called Team Empathy, where it's all about connection, empathy, and her role is literally the energizer. And she's like thriving. She didn't start her own company, but her impact is being in her natural alignment and then just like absolutely contributing and expanding everyone around her. So again, it starts from that internal journey of like when you're lit up and you move through the world in that way, you're always making an impact, even if you don't think it's some big following or whatever, right? A lot of us really underestimate. One of my favorite quotes is, if you think you're too small to make a difference, have you ever spent the night with a mosquito? It's like painfully annoying, this tiny little thing, right? They make a profound impact. And so do you. Simply by breathing, simply by listening to this, simply by sharing this with someone, you've made an impact. And so when you get connected to how powerful you are, because we're so disconnected from that, it makes us uncomfortable sometimes to think how powerful we could be. When you really get connected to like, you matter and everything you do matters, not in a too overly heavy way, but like that's when life will start to shift because you'll you'll really realize just how powerful and extraordinary you are, you know. Mm, I love that so much. It's so funny. I'm ever feeling just, I don't know, uncomfortable. Jake will turn around and say to me, go for a walk and go chat to a stranger because we live by a river now and he says the most lit up he ever sees me is when I'm walking with him and a random stranger starts to walk with us and then we end up in this new conversation. At the end of it, I'm like buzzing on life and he just says to me, this is the part where Beck lights up the absolute most. Even today, I met a new neighbour named Dot and she's like 73 and she's going out for a coffee and we've just connected. It's my favourite part of the day. (laughs) And it's so funny that we can do so much stuff and when I sit on reflection, I'll think to myself, the best part of my day today and often it's a new neighbor that I've met on the river or playing catch with my little sister's dog I love that so it's the simple things right we have really over glamorized 
impact. And I work, you know, with a lot of social entrepreneurs as well. So social impact entrepreneurs. And there's also a huge amount of heaviness around like, I've got to do something that changes the world, you know, on this massive scale. And like, absolutely. If your soul is here to do that, let's freaking go. You know, like my soul definitely doesn't shut up. I'm like, oh, I might just chill at this point, you know? Like, I even remember when the company was, like, quite comfortable, quite profitable, like, six figures. I was like, this is quite nice, you know? My soul was like, no, we're building a big team. And I was like, far out, are we? Are we? But so some of you, maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you have that, right? Because you're probably consuming this type of content. But, like, some of you will have that soul that, like, is here to do that. But some of you, it'll be, like, it'll be, like, being a conscious mum is the biggest and most important impact you could ever make. And don't you dare diminish that. And so it's really, if all of us make a difference and it just looks different. And so it's, again, trusting that your soul will literally know like what your gift and contribution is and being okay with that versus judging like, oh, but Beck does this and this person does that. Maybe I should do that. It's like, tune in, tune in. Yeah. Well, if I'm honest with you, at the end of last year, we did that business course. Or there was a group of us all together that did a business course. Now, I ended up in like the top performers with all the women and my business was only new. And there was a part of my voice that said, now you need to go fast and keep up with everyone. And I started looking, whereas my personal ethos was slow and steady, one foot in front of the other, learn from all the mistakes I'd made in my disordered eating. Don't try and go too fast because I'll end up 10 steps back. And I ended up investing in this company that promised to propel me forward, build my infrastructure, invested like over $60,000. And I know when I reflect on this, that my soul's voice said, no, Beck. I know that I heard her be like, don't do it. Do not do it. But I also heard my ego's voice and the salesman said all the things that really appealed to that voice where I was like, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. I could still hear my soul being like, don't don't, don't. And obviously it was a costly lesson. It was an emotionally painful lesson. A lot went into that. But my truth was I didn't want to go that fast. My soul didn't want to go that fast. And even now at the end of this year when I'm forecasting next year, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want a massive team of people for 2023. Even though my ego is like, well, Bryony's got it. So maybe like, do I need that too? And I'm like, Beck, but no, <laughs> stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. That's it. It is. It is. And it takes a lot of deep practice and deconditioning. And I I love that you brought that up. Thank you. Because the same thing happens at different layers, right? So I love that you just tapped into that because this year for us, so numbers always reflect impact as well. But it's like, I think we did our biggest year ever, like 1.3 million or whatever. This year, we did like half that. Now, do you think my ego was like raging? Of course it was raging. Like it was going berserk this year. And my soul was like, we are resting. We are streamlining. We are decompressing. We are taking space. We've had five years and we're just going to reset because I was exhausted. Like we had had a huge year the year before. And this year for us was like for us as the entrepreneurs, we just wanted to be, we wanted to travel. Dee and I wanted to reconnect. We needed space. We needed time to like reset, really think what we wanted. I had to make some really tough decision. I let a lot of people go and that's hard. And so what I love about this journey is even though the like leaving law, like those moments, same for you, always feel like people like, oh, oh, that, and then it'll be magic. It's like, yeah, no, your soul's going to keep doing that and your ego's going to keep doing that. And so it's a practice. It's a practice. And I always look and go like, anytime, you know, I love what you create. It's like, when we have these things, do we call them, sometimes I call them deja vu goals when they're like things that you keep saying you want, but you don't achieve or 
you feel disconnect or dissonance from. It's just like looking at going, is that really mine? Like, is that truly authentically mine? Or is that something I just learned or heard? And again, this is why it's so pivotal that we be so conscious of what we consume because we're so deeply programmable and our subconscious. And so if you're literally, I don't know, listening to all these like seven-figure, seven-figure, seven-figure shit, it's like, you're going to think you want that. And that's okay if you do, but like really just attuning of like, I often write down all my goals and then just go like, oh no, that's not mine. That's like, you know, I used to have this stupid like lose five kilos goal. Like I don't have that anymore, but you know, I was like, I don't care. Like that's societies. That's what I got told is a perfect weight or an ideal thing or a goal you should have, you know? So really just like cutting those off and doing that. I think that's like, yeah. And I acknowledge that you had that painful lesson as well, because it can sometimes be that. And then that's when we get the wisdom of like, oh yeah, I didn't listen to the wisdom. <laughs> oh, it tied so many threads from like age 20 all together. And I really, that was so painful that it was time for me to really look at it. So I had some, I had a lot to look at, but I love that also we tied that around with even just a conversation around the impact that we can make and talking to a stranger, paying for someone's coffee that's behind us in the line or me sharing how much Dot made my day today. And it's funny as when you talk about like looking at your list and saying, well, who's, who's even is this? Is this mine? Realizing that some of the things that bring us the most joy are not even any of the things that we'll write on our goal list. So really to take that into consideration when we're asking like, what is mine and what would actually bring me the fulfillment, joy, happiness that I say that I most desire? Absolutely. Or how you want to do it. The, oh, this was fun actually. When we did decide to scale and I was sitting in the car and I was crying because like my soul was like, we're going to scale. And I was like, I don't want to scale. Like that's scary. I'm going to have to trust people. I've got huge trust issues. I'm going to have to build a team. Like I was like, no, I just want to do this on my own. And my soul's like, we're going to have a go at it. Like we're just going to, you know, build you as an entrepreneur. I'm like, Duh. it was really that, that huge journey of learning to trust. The question I sat with was, okay, cool, if we want to do that goal, but how do we want to do that goal? Because just chasing something, hustling, going to it. So the the context, and I know you'll know this distinction, but the context determines the content, right? So the context of how we move through the world matters more than what we necessarily do. And so when we did this, like I said, okay, we want to build a seven-figure company. Let's have a go at that, but let's do it spaciously. Let's see if we can do it. And so it was like, let's build a spacious seven-figure company. And so the conversation with your goals can also be like the putting the context in, right, of like how you actually want to achieve them with joy, with play, with ease, right, versus just the thing. It's like the energetics to the thing you also want to achieve. Yeah, I think it's a big, big point. Love that so much. And I know that we're on the conversation of money quite a lot. And I know that I often bring you in to request that you come into True Transformation as a guest speaker around all things money. You love money. Yeah. I love money. She's nodding for anyone that can't see right now. She loves. And I know that a lot of people don't love money, but really want to love money or can be quite consumed by money. So can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with money and why you have such a beautiful relationship with the frequency, the energy that is the currency that is money? Yeah. It was a really big journey because when I wanted to step into running my own business, I didn't have a good relationship with money. I had credit card debt. I actually live paycheck to paycheck as a lawyer, which is surprising now, but I had no idea. I had no investments. I didn't understand it. I judged it. I also came from a philanthropic charitable background, so I also really judged it. Like, oh, it's so gross. You can't make impact and make money. That just doesn't work. So that was my whole reality. 
And basically I got to a point, I was sitting working with a coach and she was like, you have compartmentalized so far. She was just mirroring back for me. So you're telling me that you can't make an impact to make money. I was like, no, definitely not. If you want to make an impact in the world, you do it from philanthropy, you do it from charitability, you do it from, you know, the goodness of your heart. You don't just make lots of money doing it. And that in that moment when I literally like said it back to her, I was like, wow, like what a belief. And then I really macroed out and looked at the world that we had, the charitable sectors and things, and they were all completely under-resourced. And I was like, shit, this belief literally doesn't work because the people who are trying to do the world's most important work and be of service are burnt out, unresourced, and empty. And like that in and of itself lacks so much integrity because they're pouring from empty cups. They're doing everything we say on Instagram not to do, basically. You know, it's like the whole model of it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, okay, wait a minute. So from a paradigm shifting thing, I had to shift my belief that the people who make the deepest impact in the world and who are committed to true service need to be so well resourced in whatever they do because they, you got to be filling that cup back up if you want to do that type of work. Now that literally charitable or coaching or service or therapy or anything that contributes back to humanity because you're giving so much in and of yourself and source energy, everything's working through you. So you have to look after your like physical body entity in your life and you have to have, have resources to do that. And so the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, no, this is the opposite. This is that all our creatives, that all our visionaries, that all our service workers need to be so well resourced. And that for me gave me an entirely new belief system. Then from that point, I had to go on a like more mental understanding of money because I had nothing. Like I had no reality. Our family didn't talk about it. There was a lot around kids in Africa, you know, don't have anything. You should be grateful. Like there was a lot of programming that we had to really work through. Money doesn't grow on trees. Like all of those belief systems were deeply embedded. And so really looking at like, actually, this is an energy that wants to work and how do we get it? For me, it was how do we get it into the hands of the people that care most? Because a lot of the people that want to create great impact in the world are like the ones that literally often don't have the resources. And then money is neutral. Like it's a completely neutral energy that will just amplify your values. So I was like, okay, if we want to see an expanded world, human evolution, climate change, all these things, causes that we care about, we need to get the money into the hands of the people that really care and we'll actually circulate it into a world that looks like that. Buy sustainable goods, give back, you know, donate parts of their profits from companies. Like this is, this is the world we need to all thrive. And so then I started learning and I went to seminars and trainings and read books and just like, I literally for six months just completely consumed everything around financial world. Much of it went over my head at that point, but it was just like completely rewiring and reprogramming my belief system to truly understand like what was my authentic code with money. Not what I'd learned. If I reconnect with the energy of it, like what's my truth and everything I just shared. Now, none of that's maybe necessarily yours. If you're listening to this, that's my authentic code belief and that's led my journey with it, right? And so that's what we all get to uncover is like what, if money is a neutral energy, you have an authentic code with it. What is it? Like, what are your wealth values? What's your vision with it? Where do you want to take it? Where do you want to circulate it? How do you want to work with it? That's something that everyone uniquely has imprinted. And so that's something we all have to deeply understand. Otherwise, we're just going to download the exact same programming from society. Same stuff we've been talking about, right? It's like just on a more micro level with money. So you have wealth values. Mine are growth and contribution. I will circulate my money to anything that grows and expands humanity or contributes to the whole, right? You have a, a vision. Money doesn't want to hang out with you unless it knows where it's going. 
right? You'll, you'll have a vision that will determine how much wealth you'll actually need in your life. Some people think they need a million, 10 million, whatever. What I love doing with people is figuring out like how much do you actually need for the life you truly want to live, right? Because money's literally there to just support you. She's just there hanging out, probably always has helped you out, probably has always given you the resources where the, even if you complain and judge and say like, oh, I never have enough, like probably always been there for you, paying your phone bills. Like, can you actually see the way that it's actually always supported you? Right. So that for me just led me on like an absolute path of really uncovering and really deeply healing that relationship. Mm. Oh my God. I love it. I am curious if someone's listening to this right now and they're feeling insanely triggered, like, oh, this conversation around money has like, I'm interested because I want more of it, but this is like irritating and triggering me. There's so much shame. There's so much shame for me to even have this conversation about it. What would be a really great place for that person to start? Really looking, so there's layers on the journey that I've done. So I'd say like money mindset is important first to, and you've probably heard that term thrown around in the personal growth world, but it is really important first to actually decipher like, okay, that that emotion and shame is being activated by belief systems, by, you know, money trauma. Like how do we actually figure out where that's coming from and really understand on a mental level also how you've created the story of it, right? So that money mindset works. So that, that goes through reflection, right? It's like, what's my modeling? Where did I learn my belief system? What's my fears around it? Why do I experience shame with it? And just really really layering out like the world that you've created with it. There's a, the powerful exercise you can do, like write a letter to it and just like see what comes through about everything you believe or you, how you relate to it. I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame because when I really sat with it and got in relation with it, because we're always in relation with everything in the world, money included, we're not separate from it. We're in relation to it. So when I really got, I was like, wow, I have like completely abused this I have no idea where it comes and goes. I judge it. I feel so unbelievably guilty. I used to stuff designer clothing under my bed, like, and then one by one, like, bring things out so my partner wouldn't know. So, like, I just had credit card debt and spent it with zero connection and intentionality and joy. Like, everything was shame-based, right? Even just hiding what I had bought. That's not love. That's not gratitude. That's shame. And so my journey was, like, looking at the way that I'd really been with it and releasing so much judgment as well. It's like you're human and a lot of us, we haven't spent the time working on this relationship. And so as with every part of this work, it's just giving yourself so much compassion that it's okay. And whatever you've done, whoever you've been, how much debt you've gotten, how much you've lied, stolen, I don't know, everyone does all sorts of things with money. Like it's okay to start and just start from where you are and we've got to be okay with where we are before we can create where we go. So whatever you've done, whoever you've been, however much debt you are in, however much you don't know about investing, whatever the shame is, it's like, it's perfect and it's okay and you're human and that's where we start. Mm, I love that so much. And I've got two questions before you complete. If anyone was listening to this and said, well, I know what job I do. I get the same paycheck every week. There's no ability for me to create any more money than that than potentially asking my boss for a pay rise at the end of the year. Would this work be worthwhile for me? Like what would be the point? What would be the purpose? Yeah, hugely because there's so many layers. There's like the fact that actually when you get deeply more connected to your money, you literally can make more money, but you can also just like cut expenses, like because you start to get this clarity of like where things are going and what you really need. And so you literally will save so many costs because there'll be heaps of stuff you spend money on. Here's the kicker that 
does not fulfill you because it has nothing to do with your wealth values or your wealth vision. And so there's all this money that will be getting circulated that it's just like frivolous crap that won't be adding any value to your life. You might be filling the ego account. I don't know. So you'll be wasting a lot of money on that type of stuff, right? And so when you start to get connected to like your core, we want to circulate your wealth, like the world you want to see, like the values you want to invest in. It's like your connection to your money will amplify and you'll start spending money on things that you just absolutely love and give you so much joy. And that's such a better way to live. And when I went through this, I remember one thing, like I don't really like spending like heaps on eating out, right? And I was like, okay. And I was starting to get the real flow of like, where's my money going? Where do I want to circulate? What's my wealth values? And I was like, I completely cut down on eating out, like the brunches and all these things that we used to do that no one in our friend group could really actually afford, but we all just did it because it was kind of cool thing to do. And we cut that down. I started doing these like potlucks with friends and it was just everyone bring a little plate and it was so cheap and everyone loved it because we were still meeting the value of connection, but not with this huge price tag. Then with that money, I could start investing in growth, like trainings and like coaching and, and business support and all of these amazing things. So even if you're thinking like, oh, but I'm not going to start a business, it's like, yeah, but with what you've got available, it's developing a much more conscious blueprint map and connection to what you're actually utilizing and what you've got available, right? And that's huge. And so it's like, it brings more emotional connection to what you're actually investing and spending, which brings you more joy in the world and more fulfillment, And then you'll also save heaps of money because there's just so much stuff that we don't know. We even spend on subscription creep, all that crap, you know, is is huge. And the biggest other kicker or the biggest other thing is when you start to build a financial vision, like what you actually want to do with your money, because a lot of people say, oh yeah, I want money. And you get really into like why and how much they need and stuff. They have no idea. When you actually have that, you develop this massively deep dedication to your future financial self. So if you're someone who really struggles with like, investing and putting things aside in the future, you may just have a disconnect of like when it's even going to be available or even what you want to create with it, which means that, you know, we don't really stay committed to those disciplines. So when you have that bigger vision and you know exactly how much it's going to take because it's like clarity is power, like you know your numbers, you know what you're investing and you know when you're going to get there, that's going to give you so much motivation and drive, which is so inspiring because a lot of us don't really know financially where we're going or what we need, you know. So there's so many other layers. And I would also say be open to the possibility that you could make more money when, you know, you're really lit up. Yeah. I could ask you a million questions. I just think you're so, you I don't think you're amazing. You are so amazing. You really, you excite me, your energy. I'm like, I am a yes to everything that she just said. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Ryanie McKenzie, I love sharing today with you. And I always ask every guest the same final question. Are you ready for it? Yes. What does it mean to you to be raw, real and vulnerable in your life? To be authentically connected and honest about where you're dishonest and brave enough to follow the truth of where you know your soul wants to go. Mm. Oh my God, so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and spending today with me. If anyone is listening, which I'm sure they all are and really want to find you immediately, where do the listeners go? Thank you so much, Beck, for this opportunity and for everyone tuning in. So beautiful to be with you. You can follow us at HQ on Instagram and follow there. I also have a personal Instagram. You'll see it on there as well, where I do a bit more just like my life and behind the scenes. So Untapped is where we share everything we have. Oh my God, you're amazing. Thank you so much, my love. 
course. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.